Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, September 16th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. Love talking to you the day before a game. Ohio State Toledo tomorrow night at the Horseshoe. We'll get into that a little bit later. Toledo is a solid team out of the MAC. I want to get in. I want to start the show talking about Ohio State's 2021 recruiting class. Jay Book, we knew coming into the season it was elite. Travion Henderson, JT Tumulowal, Jack Sawyer. I mean, on and on and on. It might be better than what we thought. Guys like Michael Hall Jr. stepping up. I didn't see. I thought one of the second-year defensive linemen needed to step up as a star. And I was thinking either JT, Tumulowal, Jack Sawyer, Tyleek Williams. And I, I'm high on all those guys still. But with Michael Hall Jr. stepping up, I mean, there's a bunch of other guys. too. We haven't seen Jordan Hancock play this year. I know Denzel Burke's taking a little step back, but uh, I'm still high on him. Could this 2021 class be even better than we thought, which is a scary proposition? I think they can, Dave. I mean, you look at this class right now, and I was probably you have to obviously point out the defensive line. They have exceeded my expectations out the gates right now. They're playing some high-level football. And as you mentioned, the emergence of Michael Hall, that's been the big one there because I think he has the potential to be a star. I didn't see this type of play coming from him after he redshirted. I they they were always confident um that Mike could play here and thought that he was a heck of a guy when it came to uh, working out, doing everything that's supposed to that he's supposed to do. But now you're seeing a guy that looks like he could be a potential first-round defense alignment. And everybody knew that JTT and Jack Sawyer had the potential to be first-round defense alignment. And if they can get Tyleek Williams going with his size and his first step, he has the potential to be a monster so, yeah, so so far, so good. If they can get Denzel Burke playing at a high level, the thing with Burke is he just needs to get out of his own head, get his confidence back. And if he can do that, I think he would be okay. But that class, especially on the defensive side of the football, it looks tremendous. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, J.K. Johnson, I'm, I'm, I, Burke's going to be fine. They knocked it out of the park with defensive linemen. Those four defensive linemen, I might, we, we might look back on that as, like, the best, you know, 
foursome of defensive linemen ever in one class at Ohio State. I know that's saying a lot, but um, there's been like a, like some trios I can think of, but four guys, they just knocked it out. And I like all three of the corners they got, um, J.K. Johnson, Jordan Hancock, and Denzel Burke. Again, we know Denzel's struggling, but I, I, I still think he's going to be okay. Um, all right, let's get into this. Speaking of the second-year guys, um, Emeka Buka and Marvin Harrison, we were super high on them coming into the year. They look even better than maybe people expected, or at least as good. Emeka drew headlines the other day. He's as humble as you could possibly be, especially for like an elite player like he is. But he made the comment um, that drew headlines that uh, he thinks, and he said it like in a humble way, but you know how this is going to draw like attention. He said uh, he thinks him and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. can be better than Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson were when they were at LSU. A bold statement there. Um, what do you think of that? <laughs> why not? I mean, why not? Hey, I like it. I like the young fella, you know, putting his money where his mouth is. If he truly believes that they have the potential to have greatness here at Ohio State, who are we to say, hey, don't say that. These guys see each other every day in practice. Um, they know what their potential is when it comes to playing at a high level. Both Emeka and Marvin right now, uh, they're hot. With JSN and uh, Julian Fleming being out, it has given these two guys the limelight to really shine. They're carrying over their solid play from the Rose Bowl. They're only sophomores, but by next year, end of next year, that's if Kyle McCord can uh, play quarterback at a high level. There's no reason why that duo couldn't be, you know, phenomenal right now. I know Dane Brugler, um, the draft scout, he said if Marvin Harrison left for the NFL draft this year, he has Marvin as wide receiver one in this year's draft over JSN, over boot from uh, LSU. So that right there tells you if a lot of draft scouts believe that Marvin Harrison is a wide receiver one, he just needs to continue uh, his high level of play. And as long as Emeka meets his expectations and starts to exceed it, there's no reason why these two can't be on the same level as Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. I love it. If they can get, uh, they can get there, <clears throat> excuse me, we'll all be very, very happy. All right, let's get into this too. Chip Traynham has emerged as the number one kickoff returner <laughs> for the Buckeyes. Um, I didn't see this coming, but it does make sense. I mean, he's, you know, Dave was talking about it yesterday that, uh, you know, he likes having somebody strong back there. Somebody, you know, that obviously has a running back background. He was a running back at Arizona State. He's even getting some reps in practice just in case they need an emergency tailback. He's the backup middle linebacker. So they're not down on him at linebacker. He's in the two deep. The problem is Tommy Eichenberg is just balling out, and he's getting all the snaps there. So um, Chip train him as the kickoff returner. Your thoughts, sir? Uh, this is phenomenal, Dave. I mean, I can't remember a time where a backup linebacker is your kick returner. I'm so excited to see how this plays out because if you watch him on, on kickoff, man, he is an absolute missile. I know Ryan Day had talked about – uh, how fast he's going when they're measuring uh, the kids' wind speed and stuff. And he's right up there, if not probably one of the fastest players on the team. He He's a strong guy. He is yoked up out of his mind. And with him having the, the skills as a, as a running back playing at this level, I feel much more confident that he would be able to handle that football. It's one thing if you say, hey, we're going to have Jordan Hicks uh, back there. We're going to have Hicks back there returning Tony kicks. Simon. Yeah, Cody Simon returning kicks, but with Chip Traino, he's just a different beast. Like he is—he's one of those guys that you look at him, and if push comes to shove, I—I I truly believe that he'll be able to carry the the running back load if, in case of emergency, at Ohio State. There's not many kids 
at the college level that has that freakish athleticism that he has when it comes to being able to uh, get shot out of, a, out of a cannon running down on kickoffs and returning kicks and being able to be as strong as he is. Yeah, and you you hit on it. I mean, you've talked to some of the other linebackers. You know, uh, I'll give Doug Lamarice from Cleveland.com credit for this. He was asking for superlatives, um, and he was asking some of the linebackers, who's the fastest linebacker? They all said Chip Traynham's the fastest. Who's the strongest linebacker? Chip Traynham. So there you go. And they got some fast, strong linebackers. He's the strongest and the fastest. So that easy to see why they think he can be a kick returner. And we'll see. David, how if, David, if he breaks a kick to the house, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> if he's the first one to do it, poor Omeka gets the first punt return for a touchdown in eight years for the Buckeyes. And they have two penalties on the same play. They're like, we're going to. We're not even going to mess around. We have two penalties on the same play. We're not going to let you return this. Yeah. And, I, and before we go on, I will say this, though. I feel bad for whoever's going to be on kickoff that has to tackle this man that's running at full speed. It's going to be a violent collision. Someone who someone as myself who was a, a special teams kid and running down there at full speed trying to make the tackle. I used to love it, but, man, I would hate to try to tackle Chip Trainer running at full speed. 230 pounds coming at you at – High speed, yes, sir. He's gonna. It's gonna be interesting, and I love Ameka as the punt returner. Obviously, um, all right. Let's get into this too. Um, all right, now, very simple question: Two games in, are you happy? You happy with what you're seeing out of the Buckeyes? I will say, I'm not happy because I think they can play better. I think that the defense, once they start getting their hands on the football. Uh, right now, and I think that's going to be the big factor. I do think that the offense has not really hit its stride yet. So for me to say happy, that would say that I'm, I believe that they can beat Alabama or Georgia right now. And I don't know if that's the case. I do think that they have the absolute potential um, to beat those teams, but I don't think Ohio State is close to playing their best football yet, which is early. Um you know, as a, as as Donna said, the penalties, yes, the penalties absolutely need to be cleaned up. Um, but I would definitely say that I'm not happy right now because I haven't seen them really just come out and put the foot on somebody's throat like we all know that they can. It can start here with Toledo and continue to build that momentum as we head into the Big Ten season with Wisconsin on deck. But right now, I am not happy with where they're at. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I don't think they're playing well. I just think that they haven't put it all together yet. And that's to be, that's to be, you know, expected when you're missing JSN, when you're missing Julian, obviously the offense is going to be somewhat out of sync when you're installing a new defense and you're trying to figure out who's going to be the right combination up front. I think that I'm, I'm very surprised about how ahead they are on defense right now. I think that they're attacking but once they really start getting their hands on the football, start forcing turnovers, and start playing as a complete team, offense, defense, special teams, that's when I'll, I'll become happy with their play. Well said. I, I'm happy with uh, certain things that I wanted to see. I like the way the defense is flying around. They're not perfect, but I, I like what I'm seeing out of the defense overall. Um, I like what I'm seeing out of the running game overall, and I like the toughness. But they do. They, they need to put it all together. They need to clean up the penalties. Um, they just, they've not played a full game yet, but it's only two games. But yeah, you said that very well. All right, let's get into Toledo. All right, Buckeyes favored by 31, 31 and a half. Um, Toledo's picked to win the MAC by Phil Steele, at least their division of the MAC. Um, they got a good quarterback, uh, dual threat quarterback, a lot of starters coming back from last year, good head coach and Jason Candle. Um, 
I tend to think the Buckeyes are going to come in hungry, though. They're probably sick of saying, you know, people saying, oh, they're they're not they don't look as good as we thought they would. Um, but Toledo's a good team. Um, I have Ohio State winning this game. I think I put it down in our staff predictions like 52-17, something around around there. And again, I, I give Toledo credit, but I think Ohio State's going to come ready to play. What's your prediction for this game, sir? I have Ohio State winning this one 48-13. to 13. Uh, Dave, I do think that Toledo is going to be better than Arkansas State here. I, I, I think this is a situation where Toledo, they have a veteran team in the MAC. They have a lot of guys that obviously don't uh, depart to the NFL. So a lot of fifth-year guys, some COVID guys that came back, a couple transfers. So I think Toledo has an impressive offense. Um, their passing defense has, has been solid so far this season. So I look at it as this is going to be uh, a somewhat a challenge, not anything to be worried about here. I do think that if Ohio State can get rolling on offense, meaning that they're scoring in the red zone, the defense is holding, I do think this game has the potential to get out of hand. But Ohio State usually don't run up the score a whole lot on in-state MAC teams just out of respect. Um, this is usually a payday for those teams. So I have it, Ohio State 48, Toledo 13. So we both have them winning by 35 points. Our scores are very similar. I have them winning 52 to 17. We both have them winning by 35 points. We'll take that. We have the Buckeyes barely covering the spread. That'd be the first time they did it this year. All right, a couple questions to get to. Um, we had one about Denzel Burke. This is from David uh, on YouTube. How much more rope will they give Denzel Burke before they make a change? What do you think? I mean, it was kind of telling when Jim Knowles was – now, Jim Knowles said Denzel's fine. He's in a little bit of a slump. He missed a lot of camp. He's fine. Um, but he also said he would love to get Jordan Hancock back. Um, so I wonder if Jordan Hancock was healthy, if, if maybe they would have put him in there. They put J.K. Johnson in there a little bit. What do you think? If Denzel Burke keeps in this slump, are they going to bench him and put somebody else in there? I mean, what we've seen from Jim Knowles right now is he is not playing games with these kids. He, if, if you don't perform at his expectations and perform at a high level, he will yank you. We saw it with we saw it with Josh Proctor game one, and we also saw it with Denzel um, the last game there where they put J.K. Johnson in, who finished the game with fifty snaps, uh, the highest amount of all of the defensive back or cornerbacks there. So I will say this: I will say. Denzel needs to come out and play early. And he need what I mean is he needs to ball out early on. If he's out there getting torch, he's out there getting pass interference calls, he's he's extending drives for the offense. And if Hancock is healthy and the way that they starting to build that confidence in JK Johnson, I think Denzel is on a short leash. Now, with that being said, they have to bounce, they have to walk a tight line here, Dave, because this is something that we heart back to at the beginning of camp when they opened up camp, when we said they do not have a lot of depth at the cornerback position. The last thing that they can actually do right now is lose Denzel long-term mentally. Like we don't, the last thing that they need is for him to check out at safety. You know, you can pull somebody right now because you have so many talented guys back there and you can plug them in and it can still continue to play at a high level with the corner depth. And with Cam Brown having an injury history, with J.K. Johnson not being healthy this season, you're they're going to need Denzel. So you have to walk that tightrope to where you don't destroy the kid's confidence, but you also need to send him a message that he needs to dial in. He needs to focus and get his technique together because the flying squirrel, 
that he did when he was out there uh, trying to trying to defend the pass out there, I can guarantee you that is not a technique that they're teaching in practice. The flying score, I love it. Just guessing and throwing your hands up and just, you know, just awful, awful technique there. The flying squirrel, I love that. Um, a couple more questions to get to, and we'll get you out of here. Um, this is from this is directed to you. This is from Jim on YouTube. Jay Book, what happens to Notre Dame's recruiting class if they fire Marcus Freeman? I think Notre Dame class is in shambles. <laughs> there's no there's no way to put it. I mean, at that point, I will say this: if Marcus Freeman is fired, I can totally see Notre Dame circling back to go get Luke Fickle. That was Luke's job to have. Um, basically, Luke being the, being the guy that he is, he did not want to abandon Cincinnati while they were in the playoffs. So he told Notre Dame, if you want to uh, bring me in as the head coach, it has to be after the playoffs. Well, with early signing period coming up, Notre Dame wanted to maintain the class that they already had. And so they decided to move quickly with uh, Marcus Freeman. So with that being said, I do think that if, for whatever reason, Marcus was terminated, I do believe that that class will fall apart. But I don't think that they're going to fire Marcus after one year. I mean, Notre Dame, they're going to be fighting and clawing for seven wins here. But I, I, will, I will say this, they will give him at least one more year to see what he can do. Because I think he hit it out the park on the defensive side of the ball uh, with the Al Golden hire. I think that that was a pretty solid hire because their defense is not bad. Where they're struggling at is, one, they need a quarterback. They need to go into the portal and find a competent quarterback. And, two, they need to go into the portal and at least get two to three wide receivers. And then, three, I would consider making a change from Tommy Reese. They need to get it. At Notre Dame, I don't think that's a, a place where you learn on a job to be an offensive coordinator. Tommy Reese is a young guy. I can see him being a quarterback coach, but giving him the reins to call the plays at a high level, I think that was a mistake on Marcus' part. I will absolutely go out and try to find uh, a home run hire. Like if I'm Marcus, I would totally go give Tom Herman a call to be my offensive coordinator. I feel like Tom is probably not the best head coach, but I think that Tom is a heck of an offensive coordinator and he would know how to command as far as the, the rest of the coaches on what the expectations are. You know, I, I listen to Zach Smith podcast and, and Zach and everybody knows Zach and Tom have butted heads with each other and stuff. <laughs> and Zach can tell you, Tom is a brilliant, a brilliant mind when it comes to coordinating. He may not be the best head coach, but when it comes to the offensive coordinator, he can dial them up with the best of them. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, Buckeye fans, I feel like, um, don't like Tom Herman for whatever reason, maybe because of the recruiting stuff. Maybe he he's the one that turned in the information to Brett McMurphy. I get all that, but I don't know if they win a national championship in 2014 without Tom Herman. He no. was a very good offensive coordinator that year. Then he had to, he came up with the game plan, him and Urban both with Cardale. Like, we're basically just going to throw the ball to the sidelines, and it, and it worked. Either it's going to be complete or it's going to be out of bounds. Um, they, you know, that 59 to nothing win over Wisconsin and Dave Aranda, that was, that was a mm -hmm. clinic. Um, then beating Alabama and Oregon and the whole year. I mean, just the way that Tom Herman kind of pieced things together. I will always have a soft spot, spot in my heart for uh, Tom Herman because he helped the Buckeyes win a national championship. All right, let's get to this. Right, let me get this Toledo score prediction off of here. All right, there we go. Final question. I'm glad Steve from uh, YouTube brought this up, uh, Jay Book. He said, how quick do they get Caden Curry into the game? 
This was what I asked Ryan Day about this, and I asked Jim Knowles about this this week. They both said, yes, it looks like he's earning more playing time. He really, really flashed last week. Now, Jay Book, as you know, they're very deep at defensive end, but how quickly do you think they're going to get Caden Curry in the game tomorrow night? Sounds like they, they're going to try to get him in early on. Um, I will say this, and not to say anything negative about the kid, give Caden Curry Javante Jean-Baptiste reps. I've, I haven't seen anything out of JPP that, that says, hey, he should be playing over Caden Curry right now. I look at Caden Curry and say, hey, this is a kid that's showing that he can play at a high level. He has a motor. He's, he's more developed than what you typically see out of true freshmen. And I would say this, just, just turn that kid loose, give him the reps. Only thing that's hurt, holding Caden Curry back is Larry Johnson. Larry has to get him in the game and get him the reps. And if they can turn that kid loose, I do think that he should be someone that, that is eating into some of these upperclassmen's reps. Yeah, we have a lot of commenters saying the exact same thing. And I, I think some of the upperclassmen are playing decent. I just think these young guys – are studs, the four second-year guys, and then Caden Curry. Looks yeah. to me like Caden Curry needs to be in the rotation. I wouldn't mind seeing him as that number four defensive end over guys like Tyler Friday and Javante Jean-Baptiste. Tyler Friday's got so much respect in the program. Um, but I think Caden Curry should be that number four defensive end. Zach Harrison had the most snaps of any defensive end on the team last week. He's not putting up big stats, but the coaches think he's doing a good job of uh, setting the edge. Obviously, JTT. I know it's not really JTT, but Ryan Day calls him JTT. I'm going to call him JTT. And Jack Sawyer. I think Caden Curry should be that number four defensive end. So we shall see. Great stuff out of Jonah Booker, as always. Thank you very much for your knowledge, Jay Book. Uh, thank you to all of the listeners and the viewers. We appreciate that very much. Hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend. <laughs>